Okay, so here's what we're doing today. Um, we are going to go off-road for, from our Acts series. Uh, I'm planning to get back to it next week. Um, sometimes the Lord surprises us like He did this week. But here's how we're going to start today. We are going to start this message with a little video gem from YouTube, okay? Um, this is a young woman. She is uh, actually the daughter of a Baptist preacher. That's kind of fun. But she, she is a woman who is promoting a very familiar product from a very different angle. All right, friends. Y'all know I pride myself on keeping it real, being really real with y'all. And I have to admit that I, from time to time in my life, have caused some drama. No one knows that better than my best friend. And this girl brought me something that has changed my life. Now, I know they say there's no such thing as a magic pill. There's not a pill that can fix anything. <laughs> Y'all, they are wrong. I have discovered drama mine. I mean, I feel my drama coming on. I take this little pill, and my drama is contained. It's all mine. It stays right here. I don't share it anymore. I don't bring it to y'all on Facebook. And when I feel it coming on, I pop one of these little babies. Y'all see that? Treat symptoms on the spot. That means no more drama. You see that? If your drama happens on a boat, a plane, or in a car, it's okay. Just make sure you have your drama mind. Keep that stuff contained. Nobody wants your drama. I don't want your drama. Your friends don't want your drama. But you know what's great? Keep it on you at all times because your people that have drama, they need to know. Let's stop spreading the drama. Now you just pop this little pill, you're going to feel real relaxed. The drama's just going to kind of go, just kind of settles down real fast. You might get a little sleepy. Take a little power nap. We all need more sleep. I mean, our nation is sleep deprived. So just keeping it real, y'all. Peace. <laughs> oh, I love that video. It's funny every time I see it. Um, Keller family, are you in the room real quick? Okay, I see some of y'all over there. I saw one of you over there. This, this video is especially funny to us because she doesn't look like my sister, but y'all, that is my sister. I'm telling you. She acts just like that, and I could see her doing that. But um, you know, if, if only it worked like that, right? You know, if only that pill worked that way. But today what we are going to talk about is we're going to talk about drama, okay? Drama on two fronts. We're going to talk about, first of all, the world's drama, okay? The drama that unfolds around us every single day, everywhere we look. We're going to talk about that drama, but we're also going to talk about our drama. So let's start with the drama in our world, okay? Um, can we all agree together that our world is filled with daily drama? Can we? Okay. The only people who don't know this, I'm convinced, are underground in a bunker that is sealed, no internet, no media, no cell phone. Folks, our world is full of drama. And see, here, here's the thing about the drama of this world, okay? The storylines, the headlines, the billboards, the music, so much of the drama in our world is negative. So much of the, of the storyline we get is just gloomy and depressing, just so negative. 
You know, I, I think about the, I'll be careful here, I think about the presidential campaign we're having right now, okay? Regardless of who your candidate is, I have never heard so much trash talking in my life. America is littered with the trash, and y'all, these two haven't gotten started yet. There's a lot of negativity out there. The news, okay? Anybody ever watch the news? Maybe you read it on online like I do or watch the evening news. Folks, our news cycle is obsessed with everything that's wrong in the world and everything that is about to be wrong in our world. And have you ever noticed the good news stories? They're about this long, okay? And it's like one or two of them and then blah, just all the other stuff. Talk shows out there, okay? Whether they're in the morning, afternoon, or, or, or evening, have you ever noticed that talk shows seem to have one goal these days? And I'm not talking about the Leno fun stuff, okay, all, all that. But the, the talk shows that come on, uh, you know, all the other ones, they are obsessed with destroying people's reputations, disparaging people. Anybody you admire, just rip them to shreds. And, you know, even the fun stuff out there, even some of those, hey, this will entertain you, you know, I mean, this will bring some, some light into your day, even a lot of those shows are getting really weird and really dark. Let me give you an example. Here's one. The Discovery Channel takes the survival show theme to the next level by, by stripping it down to its bare essentials. Okay, now where have I been for the last five years? I didn't know this existed. Naked and Afraid. There's a show called Naked and Afraid. Naked and, and, and afraid, I should, naked and ashamed, I almost said it. Naked and afraid is the, is the ultimate challenge. One man, one woman, 21 days with no food, no water, no shelter, or no clothes. Oh my gosh, there are so many words that I could use to describe this show, but uplifting, upbeat, and a whole lot of fun, none of those make the list. And I realize as I say that, there's a few people in the audience going, oh my gosh, I have season one through five on home on DVR. Okay, we'll forget that, okay? There's all grace here, all right? But, but seriously, the, the drama of our world, it's bleak, it's bizarre, it's really negative, and the truth of it is, it can really impact our lives. Taking too much of this stuff in without filters, without care, it can turn us into angry, fearful cynics unless we're really, really careful. I heard a man uh, a, a couple weeks ago on a podcast, and he was talking about this, you know, just the cultural climate, the messages we get, and all the negativity. And he said this. He said, you know, it only takes 15 seconds of concentrated focus for something to really stick with us. And then he asked the question, he said, what are we giving our 15 seconds of focus to? How much mental, emotional time are we giving to negative stuff? And you know the answer is across the board in our society, a whole lot of people are giving a whole lot of time to a whole lot of negative stuff, drinking in way too much of the dark side out there. And the fact is, it does impact our lives, our hearts, our minds, our outlook, our purposes. Then he went on to say, but you know, the funny thing is, which isn't funny, the funny thing is the opposite is actually true when it comes to positive things, to good things that come our way. Typically, something good, some kind of blessing comes our way, and we just let it sail right on by. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, we, we get happy about it for a moment, but then typically what, what so many people do is then right in the middle of the joy, 
the potential darkness of negativity comes up and just swallows that good thing right up. Here's a little example. You know, a young couple, they want that first house. They're praying for that first house. They're saving for that first house. They get that first house. And you know what it is? Oh, happy day, praises, testify, glory. And then, boom, it's, oh, my gosh, but what about taxes? How are we going to furnish this place? How in the world are we going to keep this up over the long run? Nobody's laughing because it's too true, ain't it? How many times has this happened to us? Joy just is fleeting. The little foxes of negativity just spoil the vine. He went on to say, though, you know what? We can reverse the trend. We can reverse the trend. And then he gave this advice, and it was astounding. He says, here's what we do. When something good comes our way, the first thing we need to do is stop. Stop and look at it. Stop and focus on it. And then begin to relish in it. Then begin to delight in it. And then he said this, start giving thanks for it. Start giving thanks. And suddenly when he said that, I went, oh, my gosh, it hit me like, a, you know, just like, a, like an arrow in the chest. This advice is so in line with the Word of God. I mean, isn't this what the Word says? You know, some of our favorite verses. Okay, here you go. Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Camp out on such things. Meditate on such things. Uh, I, I pulled, pushed, smushed a couple together. I did a, a scriptural mashup for the next part. You guys will like this one. Psalm 119, 145.5, 48.9 says this. The psalmist says, God, I will meditate on your wonderful works. How long does the meditate last? No, a, a meditate is a hangout. A meditate is really camp out. I will meditate on your wonderful works. Lord, I will meditate on your unfailing love. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Now, here's another famous one. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of God, meaning the written word of God and, and, and the one who, who hears the word of God. Their delight is in this, who meditates on what God has given to us in print and what God speaks, meditates on that day and night. What well, define blessed for us, would you, psalmist? Glad to do it. Thank you for asking. He's, he or she is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season. Leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's really a statement of the soul, the life, the heart, the outlook of that person. See, everywhere in Scripture, we are called to focus on the goodness of God, the goodness that comes from God's hands. We are beckoned, okay? Scripture says, y'all, come on, recount, recall what your God has done, what your God is doing, and what your God will do. In other words, what Scripture says is it says, look, okay, you've got this drama going on around you. Go ahead and take the saving, renewing, glorious work of God, and you hold it up against that backdrop. You hold it up against this world's drama. Point, okay? We sang about it today. Point to his banner of love that is over us in Jesus Christ. It's over every believer. And all those who haven't yet believed, it's calling them to faith. Point to that banner. Worship doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning. Man, if praise and worship is your thing, is your thing sing it through the day, you know? 
If it's hymns, man, just fill your mouth with those things. You know, if you're like me and you like everything, put a little Andre Crouch into it, you know? But, but, but I mean, just sing a new song amidst all the messages out there. So Scripture invites us to step out of this world's drama and step right into God's storyline. And the promise here is that those who do that, those who believe a greater story, those who walk in an eternal destiny, we move from surviving to thriving. We move from existing, you know, and just, just, just kind of getting on by and treading water. We, we move to life and life to the full. This is the promise of Scripture. So that, that's God's solution. That's one of His primary solutions for the drama of this world. And I think now, especially these days, golly, we need to hear this. Gosh, we need to remind this, to, to be reminded of this. So that's that kind of drama. But then there's another kind of drama. There is the matter of our drama, okay? The drama in us and the drama between us. I'm talking about the angst, the fear, the anger, the judgment, the, the offense that we feel for other people. Okay, if you want me to boil it down a little more, I'm talking about the general hospital that's going on inside of us, you know? The days of our lives, the edge of night, if you can really reach back like I can and remember that far. My, my mother did not ever watch that, okay, so let me just give her a free pass on that. But the soap opera inside, those weeds that grow up in the garden of our hearts when it comes to interacting with other people. See, folks, the truth is this. There is so much that happens between us. There's, there's honestly so much that people do in our world that hurts us, that damages us. You know, you physically, that happens. Man, people get hurt physically by one another. Emotionally, that, that, that the same thing happens. There's so much negativity and darkness, and we're talking about actions and words and even inactions. You know, when someone could have done something that would have, ch you know, changed everything, but they didn't do anything. And I'll tell you, when that kind of stuff happens to us, it makes us go dark inside. It, it, it has a, a, just a big neg negative impact. You know, it causes us to step up and just judge them and write them off once and for all. And I know as Christians, sometimes we're tempted to kind of play the church game. Oh, well, that never happens to me. You know, I, I've heard that's happened to religious people before. But you know, listen, denial is not just a river in Egypt, folks. This happens to all of us. And if you've never heard that, I'm glad to be the first one to bring that to you. We can't deny it. We can't dismiss it. And see, the thing about relational drama, this stuff that happens in us and between us, you talk about something that's toxic to your heart, your mind, your life, and that you is also me, me, me. But there's a remedy for this. And the remedy is not going to surprise anybody in the room. The remedy is the love of God through Jesus Christ. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Love is available in the ugliest of situation from our Heavenly Father. But I also want to be clear about this. I think there's a love that, that we, we kind of appreciate and we accept, and it's that kind of love like we say, okay, Lord, well, you know what? This is a really, really tough situation. And so, God, I'm just going to pray for your love. I'm going to wait for your love. And when I feel your love, I'm going to go to that person. And, and I, we're going to have forgiveness and restoration. We're not talking about that kind of love today. We are talking about the love of God that is always offered to us in Scripture that we step into, we pick up, and we point at other people. It's a decision. It's a choice. 
taking up the love offered in Scripture and living it out now. Having real faith that, you know what, as I step into love and as I move toward this person in love, things are going to change, God. Things are going to change. My heart's going to change. The situation's going to change. So often in Scripture, that's what the Bible is talking about. I'll, I'll take one of our favorites, okay? Anybody ever heard of the love chapter? Good, okay. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Do you know that it's talking about this kind of love? It's talking about the kind of love we pick up and we point at people intentionally. Listen to what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not ever delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. So what, what if that was the creed of Christians? You know, what if we said, man, that's my standard right there. That's what I'm living. That's what I'm walking out. I mean, I mean th- th- this, this, this is what I'm going to do. And so parents, okay, we'll bring this home to ourselves, you know. Parents of teenagers, taking that deep breath, okay, and then extending patience toward that moody, belligerent, demanding teenager. It's just real practical love like that. You know, the people Chris talked about last week, you know, those uh, uh, deliberate kindness and compassion for those people we see every day in our world. There's other Virginia Beach drivers, it's never us, those, uh, that, that switch for no reason. You know, I watched the Daytona, uh, Daytona of 500, watched a little bit of that every now and then, Daytona 400 last night. We got the Daytona every single day in our world. But what about compassion, kindness in those types of situations? What about seeking the best for everyone in a situation, especially the unappreciative, you know, especially the, the ones who are demanding? And then here's a big one for me. Here's a tough one for Steve Keller, tearing up every mental list we have of all the wrong things that people did to us in the past, said to us in the past, what about that? You see, what happens with verses like this is that they are calling us to be a Romans 12, 10 kind of Christian, just folks who are devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above ourselves. But see, the thing about it is, it's, it's, it's the, the others that we have to talk about. We're not just talking about people that go to our church. This is calling us to love everyone who shares the planet with us like this. See, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, this kind of love, it never fails. Never. Proverbs 10, 12, and 17, 9 says that this type of love, it covers over a multitude of sins covers over all offenses. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, when we love people from the deep like this, well, why does Peter say the deep? Because you know what? Sometimes you got to reach down deep and pull it up. But when we love from the deep like this, it covers a multitude of wrongs. But again, this isn't the love that's automatic. You know, this isn't the love that we just naturally feel. This quite often isn't the love that comes when we just pray and we just feel it. This often is not the love that we feel for people who are like us or people who we like. This is the love as believers that we pick up and we aim at people who are different, people who are not like us, people who get on our nerves, people who rub us the wrong way, right, and other cliches of annoyance. I could go on and on and on. 
This is the love we deliberately extend to people who have wronged us. Even when what happened between us was a really wrong kind of wrong, a big, bad kind of wrong. And I know I could say all this today and we go, well, you know, that, that's good, but it's a little theoretical, Steve. So let me bring it into real life, okay? Let me share two real-life situations where the theory becomes uh, something that, that really happened. First, I'll tell you a story about a man, uh, not this man. Many, many years ago, there was a, a very wealthy uh, you know, well-to-do in every way, man named Phil. And uh, Phil lived for himself, you know, had a good life going. And then he, he met a missionary. Uh, see, Phil, you know, I'm plugging you, brother. But he met a missionary, and the missionary led him to Christ. Now, this man, when I say this man met Jesus, this brother really met Jesus, okay? This is one of those kind of salvations that everybody's going, oh, my gosh, what happened to him? Everything changes his demeanor, his actions. Immediately, he just gets known as this guy who loves everybody. Lived for himself at one point, but man, he just can't love people enough. Um, he, he also, and this is, this is pretty amazing for him, he opened his home to people, okay? A real nice place, lots of nice furniture. You know, the, the kind of furniture that one of our parents, Jane, I won't say which, covers the nice furniture in plastic when the grandkids come over. I mean, he's, he's, this dude is set up. He starts inviting everybody into his home. And he even goes on in the course of time to host a house church. And when it comes to his place in ministry beyond that, he made this missionary his project. He supported this guy. He went out with this guy. Financially, you know, he, he gave all that he could. And so, again, for Phil, it's a real night and day transformation. This dude got saved in a really, really big way. But then the test came. Phil had a guy who worked for him. And this guy who worked for him, he loved this guy, okay? This is a right-hand kind of guy, trusted him, man. I mean, he wouldn't even make decisions without this guy. Well, one day, I guess maybe the guy looked and saw that Phil was a Christian and thought maybe he was a soft target, so one day he robbed him big, robbed him blind, ran away, just ran away. And Phil, newly saved Phil, full of the Spirit Phil, loving everybody Phil, he nosedived. He spiraled. He just, man, he, he just, he went in, into bitterness, into anger, it morphed into hatred. Phil just, man, he, he, I mean, it's just a, a crash and burn situation spiritually for him. And you might say, well, why, Phil? Come on. We expected more out of you. You know, you're this great guy. I'll tell you why. Because nothing hurts like the betrayal of somebody close to you. A family, a friend, folks, Phil couldn't get over it. Bad situation. But then God stepped in. The guy who ran away from Phil went to another town, and he ran into the missionary that led Phil to Christ. And then the missionary led this dude to Christ. It's a great story. But then, unfortunately, the missionary's big work began. The real work began because now he's got to try and sort all this out. So he writes Phil a letter, and he says, Phil, believe it or not, I've actually got the guy here. I've got the guy with me who robbed you, okay? The guy who broke the law, the guy who broke your trust, the guy who broke your heart, and in our culture, okay, according to our culture, you can have this man executed for his crimes. Now, that's a dead giveaway. This is not 20th or 21st century America. But Phil, Phil, you can, you, you can have this guy killed if you want to. And Phil, I know you're bitter. Oh, I'm sorry, water bottle. I know you're bitter. 
You're supposed to be smarter than that smart water. Okay, put you up there. But he said, Phil, I know you're bitter. And I, I know that was good, wasn't it? I'm, hey, I got some more where that came from. We'll, we'll meet up afterwards. I'll give you some more uh, terrible jokes. Um, but, he, but he said, look, I know you're bitter, and I know you want justice, but Phil, something greater than justice just happened to this guy. It's salvation. This guy met Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ that you call Lord and the Savior. Th- this guy accepted Christ. And by the way, Phil, that makes him your spiritual brother. This brother is now part of your spiritual family. He's forgiven. He's clean. And he wants to come back to you, and he wants to to make things right with you. And Phil, I know the wound is fresh. I know the wound is deep. I know you got the right to squash this guy like a bug. But Phil, I want you to show him the love of God that you're known for. I want you to live up to your reputation in Jesus Christ. Phil, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of our friendship, for the sake of who this guy can become in Christ as a free person, Phil, forgive him. And Phil, don't just forgive him because I ask you to. Forgive him, Phil, because even though you're wealthy and you got it all, you also are a slave to Christ and your master demands it. And when this guy comes back, because I'm sending him back no matter what you answer, when he comes back to you, if he can't afford to pay for what he's stolen, I'll help him do it. I'll reach into my pocket, and I will help you. Phil, you are out of excuses. There's nothing you can hang your hat on here anymore. Phil, forgive him in Jesus' name. And some of you recognize the story. That is the story out of a New Testament book. Um, wonderful story. Uh, It's one chapter long, so you have no excuse not to read it. This is the story of Philemon. The missionary is Paul. Philemon is the wealthy man who got saved. And Onesimus is the guy who worked for Phil, uh, for Philemon, excuse me, uh, as, as his slave back in those days. Robbed him blind, ran away, and ran smack into Jesus. The reason I told you that story is I want you to know we're not talking about theory when it comes to to, to getting out of relational drama. The call of Scripture is that we would get free and we would live free. And folks, there are people in the Word of God who have had to live this out, walk this out. And I know you can say, well, Steve, I know, but still it's in Scripture, so it's still kind of holy and righteous. And it's kind of above that. So, you know, and, and, and when the situation's in, you know, when it's our deal, when it's our nasty situation, it's not like this when it's tough. So I'll tell you an even more personal story, the shorter version. I had a particularly brutal thing happen to me one time. Um, I was betrayed. Um, I was publicly thrown under a bus, okay? And most of the time, you know, when people come to me, and this will just help us in pastoral counseling with the first step, when someone comes and says, you know what, we have a problem in between us, Steve, and it is all their fault, 99.99% of the time, that is not true, okay? It might not be a 50-50, it might be a 30-70, but most of the time, we both got some fault. This happens to be probably the only time in my whole life where I had done nothing wrong. Out of nowhere, what happens, this guy got his hand caught in the cookie jar, and he decided I would be the scapegoat. He threw me under the bus. Lies, deception, and um, what makes matters even worse here is that, that this guy was a friend. What makes matters even worse is that he was not just a friend, he was my boss. What makes matters even worse is that he was not just my friend and my boss. He was my pastor. 
privately came to me and he said, Steve, you know, listen, we both know what happened and I just can't confess it and I can't commit, you know, just, just let, let's pretend like it never happened. It was one of those situations where Jane and I said, look, we can't do that. We can't do that dance. You know, we're going to forgive you, but I can't stay and work amidst this deception with this kind of stuff going on. If you won't come clean, I got to go. And so I left. And so Jane and I left and traveled 18 hours back to where we were before. And uh, in the months that followed, here's what happened. I prayed. I quoted scripture, said everything I should, I, sh I should say, you know, dug up everything on forgiveness. I could not forgive this guy. I could not forgive him. Why? Because emotionally, I had a Gettysburg address list of reasons why I couldn't forgive him. And so I would say the words, and then the pain would just rise back up. Has anyone ever happen, had that happen to you before? Oh, Lord, I forgive him in Jesus' name. And man, it just comes right back up. I was just there. I was like, Phil, I could not get out of this. I was being eaten alive. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She will tell you that brother was, he was eaten alive with, with cancer, the cancer of, of offense. And then God stepped into my situation one day in the most beautiful way. God allowed me, God moved me from hate to forgiveness, from just woundedness to love by doing one thing. He helped me to see this guy the way he saw this guy. The best way I can describe it, I'll actually use a movie to do this, but there's a movie, seen from a movie called Chef. Sorry about the language in Chef. I wish they would have cleaned it up, but it's a great, there's a great scene. And in this movie, the, the chef guy, right? He, he really is a chef. Um, chef makes a colossal public blunder, okay? Now, what would a, does anybody wanna guess what a colossal social blunder would be? In, in our day and age, how can you blunder as colossally and publicly in po as possible these days? Any one of us. Social media, Kurt, you got it. This guy blew it on social media, okay? Everybody sees his stuff. And so his friends come to him and they go, chef, chef, what have you done? What were you thinking? You've totally just messed everything, everything up. Chef, you have ruined your career. And Chef answers back, and don't ever forget, forget this. Chef says, you know what? I don't think so. I think I just had a really bad day. I want you to know when it comes to, to sinful people in this world, sinners in this world, that is how, part of the way that God sees sinners down here on this earth. Many of the people, you know, we look at them and we go, oh my gosh, how could you do that to them, me, whatever? You know, many of them, the way God sees them is they had a bad day. Maybe they had a bad season. Perhaps they had a bad first half of their lives. And we're not going to whitewash it. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to try to make sin into something else. But that badness is called sin. And the wages of sin, you know what it is? It's death. Sin brings spiritual death in our lives. But... That's where grace comes in. That's where the cross of Jesus Christ comes into our situations and into our relationships. Jesus Christ came to forgive sinners. He died to set us free. With the cross, He died and He rose again to give us a new, eternal, abundant life. And let me tell you about this life that He came to give us. The life that we have been given by Jesus is not to be a life that is chained to today's headlines. 
It's a life that, believe it or not, rises above the drama of this world to walk very differently while, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we go through this world very differently. And it's also a life that's not enslaved to today's offense and yesterday's wounds. And when we talk about yesterday's wounds, have you ever met a person, okay? Something happened to them like 20 years ago, but it might as well have happened five minutes ago. It's still that live and that real. I'm not saying we forget it. I'm not saying, you know, we, you know, we dismiss it entirely, but there, there's healing in the cross. There's wholeness once again in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so what's going to happen is Neil's going to come up and he's going to lead us in communion. But before we, we, we take the elements today, you're going to have a couple of minutes, all right? Um, a song will be played, and you will have the elements in your hand. You'll have the bread, and you'll have the juice. And I say during that quiet time while music is playing, let's do some business. Why don't, why don't we as Christians today, brothers and sisters in Christ, say, you know what I'm going to do today? Father, by your grace, I'm going to walk out of the valley of the shadow of death. When it comes to all the headlines, all the negativity, Lord, I'm leaving the valley of the shadow of death. And God, today, I'm going to strike for higher ground. And the way I'm going to do that is I am going to embrace heaven's storyline. I'm going to embrace the way this ends. I'm going to embrace the abundance that is mine today, the goodness, all the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, that's mine today. That's my inheritance. I'm not waiting for it. God, I'm living it. Also, Lord, today, I want to untangle myself from the darkness and the anger that comes from offense with other people. Because see, the truth is spiritually, there is a way out of this stuff. All this drama, right? All this drama, there is a way out. And as believers, we got to take it. And that reality is to believe in the storyline, the reality that God paints for us. And you know what storyline he paints for us on both ends of the drama? Number one, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. This world belongs to our God. He created it. He has not let it go. This is his turf, right? All right? This is his turf. And I'll tell you this. On this world's worst day, he is at work beautifully, powerfully, amazingly all over the place. That's the truth. That's how it is. But it's not just the earth's that's the Lord. Something else is the Lord's in that verse. And all the people who live in it, they belong to him. He is Papa. And some of them are going to come to know Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this about our Papa. He loves sinners. Our God is reaching out to sinners. And I'll tell you this. They see him and they hear him most clearly how and when. They see and hear him most clearly when we forgive them as he forgave us. When we love them as he has loved us. Folks, the cross of Jesus Christ is just that big. It's just that powerful. It's just that wonderful. It can do all of this. When we talk about freedom on a 4th of July Sunday, killing the drama, the cross of Jesus Christ can do all of that in us, and as it does it in us, and we walk that out, it can do it in them. Neil, would you come up and lead us? I'll say a prayer to give you a second, brother. Father, God, we love you. 
And I'm just so excited and encouraged. And I just thank you that you loved me enough to come and to deal with drama mine in me and all of us today. Father, we thank you for a reality that is so much more real and is so much richer than what we read and what what happens to us. So, Father, in this communion, we invite you, Jesus Christ, to be God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just work so deeply. And I know as I say that, God, some people are really struggling right now because when we talk about the things that happen, Lord, some of these things are so scandalous and so painful. So I thank you today for a risen Lord that is above it all and that just says, come today and be cleansed, be healed, be nourished, rise up, be beautiful in this world. In Jesus' name.